Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 131 with Lyme ninja Paula Jackson-Jones. Also, welcome with me to the studio, our show producer and the brains behind Lyme Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and... In this episode, you will learn about the Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and Education Group's upcoming fundraiser and concert within the same week, how Paula uses cranial sacral massage to heal from the damage caused by Lyme disease, and how the work she and her organization have put in have yielded awarenesses for the conferences, fundraisers, and state legislation. This is a fabulous Fabulous, fabulous interview with Paula Jackson-Jones. And the reason I like it is she's one of the many thousands of you out there who have come mostly through Lyme disease, who are still battling maybe the last 20% and maybe have a relapse every once in a great while, but have put all their energy and focus into educating and helping others. And she really lays out not only what she does to uh, to help herself personally stay healthy and on top of things so she has the energy to do all the work that she wants to do, but also what Midcoast Lyme Awareness Group, this main uh, support group, has done in putting together an absolutely fabulous conference that they do. This is their third annual, I believe, right? This is the third one, Aurora? Third and, annual, yeah. And in addition, now they're getting into some major fundraising efforts as well. And it's just amazing what a few committed individuals can start rolling forward. So I hope you'll find this inspiration for your groups out there. I know there are many, many Lyme groups scattered throughout the country and throughout the world. And I hope this is inspiration for all of you. And if you like what we're doing, we appreciate some support, some financial support from you. You can subscribe to Lime Ninja Radio at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Just click on over to the homepage there on your phone or your desktop, and you'll see a subscribe button there, and it's all pretty self-explanatory. There are three levels there. We've had several people over the past couple of weeks request to help, and we gladly accept so thanks so much. If you have uh, another proposal for us to support another way, please just send us an email, and we're happy to do that. But the absolute easiest way is just click on the subscribe button and it takes you to a PayPal, and then you just give us a little small payment every month, and it helps keep us on the air. Yes, indeed. And thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far. It really helps us out. Okay, Aurora. Tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Paula Jackson-Jones. Paula Jackson-Jones is the president and co-founder of the Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and Education Group, a nonprofit organization that serves the needs of Midcoast Maine's Lyme community since 2014. The Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and Education Group was created and exists to raise awareness, foster education, advocate for change, and provide 
community support for those affected by Lyme disease and other tick-borne-associated diseases in the Mid-Coast Bank community. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Lyme Ninja Paula Jackson-Jones without the dog barking in the background. Without the dog barking in the background. Hi. How are you? It's been like a whole year since we've spoken. Has it really? It has been that long, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, we spoke last year just before our other conference was going to take place. Right. So let's let's review a little bit. So I want to talk about your conference. Um, sure. And then you said you had another announcement. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's that? Yeah. We're we're crazy. We're we're crazy like that. We um. But you main people, you. We are, you know, we're, we're just crazy like that. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know what happened was, um, we had locked in our date for our, for our third annual conference. And even before we had our second annual conference, we had, um, well, we had this idea that we wanted to help people in Maine. And we weren't really sure what the best, we wanted to, to kick it up a little bit. And, and in all the talks that we were giving, the one thing that became very obvious to us, as it is in the Lyme world, is, is the faulty testing, the unreliable testing. You think you have it. You go to the doctor. They test you. They tell you you don't have it. So you end up going down another path right. only to waste time and energy and money Yes, and have more symptoms come on board. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. we're thinking, what's the best avenue for us? to while we're doing what we're doing, going around, giving prevention and education talks, holding our support meetings, holding our workshops, what is something that we can offer to the people themselves? Mm -hmm. Now, we're a small organization. We don't have a lot of money. We have a lot of energy. So we, we discovered early on when we, when we first became a 501c3, we had to keep our focus local. That was the only way we were going to make a difference because we couldn't spread ourselves thin. Sure. And there's a lot of organizations out there that are national mm-hmm. or global. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that are regional, and we're regional. We're, we're specific to the state of Maine. But it doesn't mean that we don't network with other states and other organizations. We do that all the time. So we decided we wanted to do something with, with regards to testing. <clears throat> and we're like, well, where do we even begin? How do we even begin? And out of the blue, I get a phone call one day from a guy who said, we're holding a fundraiser in memory of Bill Chinnick, who was a famous musician, Maine Maine native. He died in 2007 from Lyme disease. But we're having a fundraiser at uh, Raven's Roost Bar. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we reached out to his widow to to say we want to give her the, the, you know, the funding. And she said, no, I want it to go to... Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and Education. Wow. So that was my introduction to Dan Willette and Raven's Roost Bar. So I went there. Uh, he said, oh, by the way, it's happening this Friday. So we showed up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, felt a little bit like a pig out of, of mud. Yeah. Um, I walked in, leather everywhere, bikes everywhere, nice. beards everywhere, yep. tattoos everywhere. Felt a little uneasy, but I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm here for a good cause. I can adapt. And I had known Terry, so I found Terry, which is uh, Bill's widow, mm-hmm. sitting in the back corner. And I said, good spot, so we'll sit in the back. And and so we received, um, you know, the, the funding that night. And it was almost $1,800. Wow. 
Wow. And it jump-started our Midcoast Limeade Fund. And we got talking that night with a couple of other uh, people who happened to be there who are also owners of other establishments, and we're like, we want to do something to contribute to this fund. What can we do? Well, there happened to be a guy there who is the uh, producer of Riding Steel Productions. They, they are um, a motorcycle TV show, but they do motorcycle rises, rides for a cause. He said, I want to do something with you guys. We had a woman who owns one of the uh, a local, uh, very well-known restaurant, Taste of Maine, known for their lobsters and everything. If you come here on vacation, you don't leave until you stopped at the Taste of Maine. She said, I want to do something with you guys. And literally that summer, it all came together. So we're like, well, we've got a motorcycle ride. We have an establishment to, to host this at. But what else are we going to do? And Terry, Bill's wife, said, I can get you some talent. Well, I'm thinking she's got connections to local talent, you know, local bands known within the States. No. Because Bill, her husband, who uh, died from Lyme disease, uh, used to play down in New Jersey. He played down there. He's one of the original members of the E Street Band. Uh, And so his buddy. uh, I was actually going to guess that. Yeah. Yeah. His buddies from New Jersey are coming out. Red Bank. Got, uh, Vinny Mad Dog Lopez, who's a, he was induct, um, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he plays with Paul Whistler and Gary Cavico, who were inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. Uh, legendary guitarist John, um, Bryce. They're all coming up from New Jersey. And then we've got, um, some really well-known local talent here in Maine, the Mallet Brothers and, uh, Travis Humphreys. So, uh, all of a sudden now we're throwing a rock concert to benefit Maine's Lyme community. I know nothing about a rock concert, nothing at all. So the first person I reach out to, you know, going back to how we do network with other organizations, I reached out to my good friend, Greg Kirk <laughs> of ticked off. Very, uh, and I said, Greg, what do you know about uh, throwing a rock concert? Exactly. Right? Well, he's you the know. right one to talk to. <laughs> he knows everything about throwing a rock concert. He does. So he said, let me think about this. I got a couple of other things on my plate. Well, lo and behold, those things just kind of came off his plate and it all fell together. So Greg is, uh, our organizations are working together and, uh, we're going to start with a motorcycle ride and, uh, that's going to be like a four hour mid coast loop of just blinding lime green everywhere you see. And then it's going to, uh, we need some green leather. We need some green green leather. leather. They're getting, they're getting special patches and everything. Oh, good, good. Um, yeah, so when that ride is over, those who do not participate in the ride, at 5 o'clock, the door's open for the concert. And everything's been donated, so 100% of the ticket sales, the merchandise sold, 100% goes to the Midcoast Limeade Fund, which we've established to help Mainers in financial need with testing. So we figured our part as a small organization is if we can help you figure out what's wrong, then it's up to you to figure out who you want to see and how you want to treat it because there's so many different treatment options out there. We don't want to dictate how somebody treats. Right. But we want to be part of the solution. We want to say, okay, if we can help you and we, you know, help you with testing through Igenex or, or whatever, um, and so that you can find out exactly what's wrong with you, then that's what we're going to do. Well, it just so happened all the talent was available on May 6th. And I took a deep breath when Terry told me that, and I went, well, that's one week after our conference. 
How mm-hmm. am I going to plan two really huge events? Mm-hmm. Delegate. And um, yeah, <laughs> delegate. We've had a lot of help come out. I mean, just unbelievable, unbelievable. Because we went through an organizational restructure last summer, and at this point, we knew we were going to have two events. We just didn't know they were going to take place within seven days of each other. Mm-hmm. We just knew for 2017 we were going to have a conference and we were going to have some sort of concert, motorcycle ride event. We just didn't realize how close they were going to be connected to each other. And without even asking, without even asking, I started getting emails from people saying, hey, I'm coming and I'm bringing a dozen people with me. What can we do? Wow. And they were coming from north of us, south of us, you know, west of us. And I just sat there and I just looked up and I said, thank you. Because everything that we've ever done for, for you know, in the name of helping others for Lyme disease, mm-hmm. if it was meant to be, those doors just opened. And we have discovered also that if we get an idea and we run with it and we feel like we're pushing this, you know, 5,000 pound stone up a hill, we're probably barking up the wrong tree. We're probably going in the wrong direction. If, it, if, it's, if it's difficult and we're not getting any support, we're not getting any headway, then we realize we're, just, we're going in the wrong direction. Um, but I think, you know, e- even the, the planning of the conference came together so easily for us. Um, well, but let's let's wait. Uh, you know, you're kind of crediting the universe here. But how many years have you been doing this conference? This will be our third year. Yeah. So you're getting. And the first year, we didn't know what we were doing. The first yeah. Year. We really didn't. We had gone to one other conference, and we. I'm talking about my uh, vice president and co-founder, Angel Rice. We we went to another conference and we're taking notes. We're looking around. Okay, vendors, you got to have vendors. They got to, you know, you got to have this, you got to have that. We came back and we threw our first conference. And, um, you know, we had we had some issues that, that came from it, technical issues and whatever. But overall, um, you know, we learned from it. We had done uh, an evaluation form, which I recommend people do for any event that you bring the public to because you you learn. You learn what the public wants to see and how you can deliver it in a manner that it's well-received. Right. So the first year, you know, um, it didn't knock us down too badly. So we figured, you know, we'll do it a second year. And the second year, we were so excited. And this is when I had spoken to you last year because we had representation from ILADS, the LDA, and the LDO. And we thought, that's perfect. Everybody knows about those three organizations you know, if there's anybody sitting in our audience that has any question whatsoever, they're going to they're gonna have all of their uh, answers provided right there. You know, we, we've got all three right there. And it went very, very well. And uh, we actually had our, uh, uh, some delegation from the state came, from the main CDC vector-borne work group that we are members of. Uh, and by members, I say, we are advocates that bring the voice of the people to the table. I don't want people to think that we are on the same page. Um, yeah, how we does that? To be part of this group. How does that relationship work out? Well, you know, um, I'm sitting around a table with a lot of scientists that are focused on ecological issues, which is very important. We need people at a state level to be focusing on what's going on with the ticks and, and how they're getting here and what can we do to prevent that. 
but they lose focus on how the disease impacts the people because there's nobody at that table speaking for the people. So, you know, who better than someone who has been through the fire? You know, I've, I've been through my, my own personal journey with late-stage neurological Lyme and four co-infections, and now in remission, I'm, I'm the, the squeaky wheel. <clears throat> I'm always, you know, oh, but don't, don't forget about this. Don't forget about this. Or, you know, oh, we've got extra money. Is any of that money going towards prevention? You know, so I'm always speaking up and saying something, and I, I haven't been thrown out yet. So I don't think that I've um, discredited myself or my organization in any way. Um, I do feel like we've made a little bit of headway because they've agreed to come back again this year. Um, so apparently what they heard and what they saw us doing at last year's conference, they are okay with. And we're not protesting at the conference. We don't have people going up and yelling and screaming at vendors. We don't have speakers that are up there, you know, speaking like, you know, brim, you know, hellfire and brimstone, nothing like that. You know, it's just, it's education. And the, the speakers are experts in what they are delivering. So how do you argue with that? How do you discredit that? So, you know, they sit quietly at their table and they just take it all in. Mm-hmm. And I held my breath when I invited them again this year and they accepted. So I thought, well, that's, that's a telling sign. They're willing to come back. You know, they know what, they know what to expect and they're still willing to come back. So I look at that as a step in the right direction. If you know we're getting we're getting um, closer to, to each other, if if you would. Um, but we agree on prevention. Everybody agrees on prevention. I don't think there's any argument that you know people need prevention. And so that's where we focus on. That's where our conversations stem around. What can we do to boost awareness about prevention? Right. So you found you know, common people, ground with them and then and that's where we stay and that's where we are respectful of the comments and suggestions that are made um you know that's a really they have put that's a really good point because we've what seems to be happening is we've um gone to an era where if you're not a hundred percent with us then you're against us and you know i have found because um you know i put it out there publicly that that they're coming and i have actually gotten feedback from people um you know who who think like like what you just said it's either you know you're either it's black or white yes you're either or you're either against it or not and if you're even seen talking to them you're a traitor to the cause well you know i think the media does a really bad job at representing how battles are solved. All we see is war. We see violence. We see protesters. They don't cover what's going on behind closed doors. No, that's they boring. Don't. And then all of a sudden things happen. Yeah, it's Nobody boring. covers peace talks. Right. It's boring. Yeah. Violence is not boring. If I'm not yelling and screaming and advocating and making you feel my pain, then I'm not getting my point across. And that is not true. That is so not true. And we've seen it. We've seen videos of the young girl that testifies, you know, at at the White House stuff. And, you know, we see groups getting laws pushed through. So, you know, I'm not telling people not to be angry. There's a time for that. There's a time to voice your anger. But 
anger has never, in my opinion, anger has never changed anything. It has never, um, it just makes people close down. It makes people put up walls. Well, Nobody likes to get yelled at. Yeah, let, let, I'm know? gonna. And I think about us as patients. Yes. What, you, what do we do when the doctors do that to us? Right. You know? I'm, I'm going to make a plug for anger, though, but this is from the five element acupuncture context. So mm-hmm. anger is a great motivator. It's the energy yep. of springtime. It's the energy of new beginnings. There's, you know, no force in nature more powerful than an angry mom. And Correct. while that's a great motivator, like you said, in dealing with interpersonal relationships and trying to forge right. some type of partnership, that's not such a great strategy. So the anger is great in propelling us forward, but to you know, go in front of a panel of government officials or, you know, there's bureaucrats and they like things slow and calm and you go in there and just yell at them and they're just going to shut down. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you brought up the angry mom thing. Uh, we have Lori Dennis yeah, uh, as one of our special guest speakers, author of Lime Madness. And she's fabulous. You know, we also have, we have Min- Mindy Haber of Lime Rage, the mom who, who wrote about her daughter. So, um, you know, and even our, our keynote speaker, Dr. Kenneth Liegner, has made lots of comments about what moms can do, what moms can get accomplished. And I don't want anybody who's listening to this to think that I wasn't angry because trust me, I'm Irish. I get angry. <laughs> I do. And I got angry in public. You know, um, I had my time, but I learned from it. And I still get angry when doors close, when people attack me. I still get angry. Um, I just choose to deal with it in a private manner. And I, I take a lot of my anger when I, when I think about things, I take a lot of my anger that starts to well up inside of me. And I do what you mentioned. I use, I use the energy from my anger to push me forward, to just keep going. When I feel like I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm not getting anywhere. I just, I use it to just keep me going. That's my borrowed energy right there. And, and um, right now you have a conference and a concert yeah. slash bike ride one yeah. week apart. <laughs> one week apart. And, you know, I am so thankful for all the people that have stepped up and said, what can I do? I have enough bodies for both events that I can delegate. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be under a great deal of stress, making sure that everything is running smoothly, but it just means I'm not responsible for being in all these places at the same time and making sure things are done. So I have a um, technical question here. What are you doing to make sure you don't relapse during all this stress? Very good question. Um, I am still seeing my Lyme doctor every eight weeks, and we check in with each other. This is three years now, three years in remission. I still check in with her. Um, we do blood work, um, I think, every three months. Um, I check in with her. We do, ha- we do wellness checks. And see how we're doing. I also, uh, a couple of times a month, I see um, a licensed massage therapist here in town, and she does craniosacral massage on me and also lymphatic drainage massage. Um, it wasn't something that I was used to doing, but once I started doing it, I recognized the benefits from it. Now, and let's pause um, here because I don't think everybody knows what those two techniques are. So you will you describe them and what you feel the benefits are for you? Well, I can describe it in my layman's terms. That's what really I, that's what we need. That's all right. That's it, what so. we need is is your okay. side of it. Um 
Okay, well, I am a type A personality, so I go, 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 go until I drop. And it's not uncommon for me to be up in my office at home until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, my husband yelling up the stairs saying, you got to come to bed. <laughs> so when I, <laughs> when I go to, uh, to see my friend Patty, who's a licensed massage therapist, when she is doing uh, the um, craniosacral massage, to the best of my understanding, cerebral brain fluid can slow down. It can bog down. It can get um, uh, it can just get bogged down by different things in our body. And so, by her doing that, it opens up the highway. Kind of the same idea with the lymphatic drainage uh, massage. She, you know, uh, very light touching, very key points, very light touching. She has a little Reiki on me as well. But overall, the, the reason for her doing that is to make sure the highways in my body that carry the beneficial fluids that keep everything running smoothly, it keeps the highways from becoming congested. That's great That's explanation. That's the best way I can sum it up. And I notice. I have clearer uh, brain thought. I have uh, more energy. Um, when I have to miss a meeting with her, if I have to miss an appointment and I go, you know, a couple extra weeks and I'm super, super busy, yeah, the highway gets a little congested. I slow down a little bit more. I can't think as well. Um, so I'm going to pause so, there and just describe this for people. Because both these techniques you're talking about are super gentle. So with cranial yes. sacral, you're lying on your oh, back and the practitioner you. cradles your skull, basically. It's it's such mm -hmm. a relaxing, gentle technique. And then the sacral part, too, they'll put their hands under your hips and move your sacrum a little bit. And the idea is exactly what you're saying. The, the brain fluid and the spinal fluid are actually one. It's the same thing. And it circulates. Yeah. There's a pulse, actually, that moves this through. Yeah. And that's the nutrition because there's no blood in your brain. There's a blood-brain barrier. So in order for mm -hmm. your brain to carry out toxins and carry in nutritions, this fluid needs to move freely. And that's what the cranial sacral is doing. And you're describing it so well. And uh, really, and if you haven't tried it out there, go ahead and try it. It's great stuff. And it won't. We've had her come and speak before mm -hmm. when we host events um, because I, I have really focused on self-help. Um, with regards to making sure that I do not relapse. And so if it means I have to visit her a couple times a month, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And because I have seen the benefit, I want to share that with other people. And so I say to them, you know, <clears throat> when we're educating people about the disease and about, you know, the different treatments that they can use or whatever, there, there's an argument that is out there that sometimes um, – Doctors will say, well, you're, you know, I gave you treatment. You're no longer sick. You know, it's that post-Lyme disease treatment syndrome. Yes. And, you know, when that first came out, I, I was a little angry about it because I thought that's a real slap in the face. <laughs> but the more I pay attention to my own journey, I think, and, and this is my non-medical opinion, I think there's something to be said about that. I think it's the phase after the infection is out. Mm -hmm. After you put the fire out in the house, that you have to rebuild. Absolutely. And most doctors, most medical doctors will throw an antibiotic at you without giving any thought or cause for concern for, now that we've put the fire out, how are we going to rebuild right. so that you're healthy again? So right. people are walking around in various stages of being damaged, and they're thinking that they're still sick. And some of them are still sick, but some of them aren't. 
some of them have to be rebuilt, right. but they don't have a connection to somebody to get rebuilt. Exactly. So Doctors have physical therapy. We bring those people therapy. to our conferences. Right. Yeah, we bring those people to our conferences so that these, so that the community can, can understand what that looks like and they can make their own choices. You know, what I chose to do for myself, somebody else might choose something different. As long as you choose to rebuild. Right. Don't just, don't just stay, um, you know, broken and thinking that you're still sick. Um, well, you, you are. Because that's how I felt that first year. I thought, yeah. oh, I still hurt. Yes. I'm still tired. I don't have that. And my doctor said, we need to work on your adrenals. We need to work on this. We need to work on that. And as we worked on it, things got better. Exactly. But I kept saying, are you sure I'm not sick? Are you sure? I was so scared. And she's like, oh, we're doing your blood work. We're checking. We're, we're sending it off to Igenex. You're still testing positive past exposure, but negative for current infection. So she had to bang that into my head, and I finally got it. It's like, you, you know, it's like breaking your leg and it doesn't heal right. You're going to have a limp, but you don't still have a broken leg. Exactly. And that's there's in traditional medicine, Western medicine, we have physical therapy for after mm-hmm. injuries and after surgery to bring you back, but there's no energy therapy there's no healing from you know that's just your own your own and there are lots of different practitioners out there who can help bring you back whether it's a functional medicine doc or whether it's an herbalist or massage therapist cranial sacral like you've talked about and it's important that people understand this and until we really get this next phase of Lyme testing done we don't really know if it is post Lyme syndrome or if it is a continuation of the infection at a very, very low grade. And that'll all get cleared up. And in the meantime, it's really kind of like, who cares? If it's not active, then we can assume right. it's it's time for rebuilding. But let's talk but about... I think, it, I think it's who you're hearing that from, though. You know, what do you mean by that? you're hearing it from the other side, you take it as an offense. You take it as a slap ah. in the face. You know, I think it's, it's... If your Lyme doctor is explaining that to you, I think it goes down easier. Rather than a non-Lyme doc? Well, rather than someone who doesn't even believe in chronic Lyme. Oh, okay. You know, so, so they're not differentiating whether you're still sick or not. They're just saying, well, according to these outdated guidelines. Okay. Uh, right. You got, I gave you what I should give you. Right. You, know you have 14 I mean? days and, um, of antibiotics and it's post-Lyme yeah, syndrome. Yeah. Good luck. Now, whatever you're feeling yeah. will just eventually go away. But right. if you have a Lyme doctor that says, now, listen, Paula, <laughs> we've done all your testing. Yes. You know, we've done your testing. Look at the testing. Yeah, yes, you have past exposure, but you don't have current infection. And they explain to you how they're going to rebuild. And as you rebuild, you feel better. You start feeling better. I think that what, that's what it all boils down to. You need somebody to explain things to you while you're on the journey. Yeah. And that will help dissipate your anger and your fear. That's what I think. Okay. Good points. Let's talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about uh, lymphatic drainage massage. Yeah. I was afraid of that when my Lyme doctor said, I want you to go see Patty for lymphatic work. And I said, well, what does that mean? Because at this point, I was still sick. I was in treatment. I had severe hypersensitive central nervous system issues. I couldn't be touched. Even wearing clothing hurt my skin. And now my doctor is suggesting I go get a massage. I'm like, I don't think so. She says, I promise you, you are gonna, you're not even gonna feel this. And I said, I'll, I'll give it one try. And if I feel it, I'm out of there. <laughs> and I've been seeing Patty now for over two years. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, it's, um, yeah, you don't, you really don't feel it. It is such a light touch. It's just enough pressure to almost, and, and I, again, in my layman brain, I think there's a little, like a little pad of, of uh, congestion and that just the lightest touch kind of like pushes it out and then the fluids start flowing a little bit and then they move on to the next spot. And it's just, it's so light. And sometimes you get off the table and you think, well, I didn't even feel anything. Mm-hmm. Give it 24 hours. You give it 24 hours. In the early phases of my getting this lymphatic massage, I always spiked a fever afterwards. Interesting. I would get very, very cold. I would come home and I would spike a fever and I would have to climb into bed for roughly two to three hours. So I always had my massage at 11 in the morning. I'd come home in the afternoon and I would have spiked a fever and I'd be freezing. And then by dinner time, it was gone. Now, here's my question for you. Did you have Babesia as a co-infection? Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. Yes, I did. Yeah. Now. But it just made sense the way she explained it to me. I mean, if all that stuff is bunked up inside of me and she's slowly, you know, and very gently encouraging it to move on, of course, you know, all this stuff's now floating around in your body. You're good. And if your body is trying to respond to it, you're going to have a response. Exactly. Exactly. And this is another, like you said, very gentle technique. And instead of moving cerebrospinal fluid, we're moving lymph. And this is the same thing as dry brushing. So some of you out there I know do dry brushing. It's the same thing. Except you have somebody do it to you. So you You just just get to lie there. You don't move and you don't feel it. They're just very gently touching your body. And if there's anybody listening who has severe sensitivity to touch, that was me. You'll be fine with it. You 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 don't even notice that they're touching you. If they do it right, you don't even notice that they're touching you. I did get a little nervous about my response afterwards, but it went away. You know, I would say after even probably the first couple of visits, it went away. So it, I think you know, like when you uh, like with Reiki, you know, um, your body either accepts it or it doesn't. And I think at the beginning, my body was against the idea of anybody trying to move any of my fluids around. It was just in protect mode, but I think it realized that it was a gentle, more healthier lifestyle, mm-hmm. and my body just kind of came around and accepted it, and it stopped fighting it, and I stopped having those responses to it, and I started having positive responses. I started having more energy. I started having clearer thoughts, um, but it wasn't like an overnight thing. It was like a gradual thing. I just noticed over time, but then I also noticed when I would miss a, an appointment that I would kind of backslide a little bit. So keeping her as part of my ongoing preventative treatment, that's, uh-huh. that's going to stay that way. Yep. Fabulous. Thank you for giving us information on what you're doing to maintain. I think that's so important. We, we get caught up in the emergency phase, like you said, the, the house on fire phase of things. But mm-hmm. there's so much work to be done kind of when the fire's out or when the fire's still smoldering. And it really yeah. ends up being, I'm, I'm talking to lots of people now. It's very personal. It depends. It's a little bit like Horitz's, Dr. Horowitz's, uh, MSID's model where there are multiple, uh, symptoms, where there are multiple causes. And he talks about you have to address them, uh, simultaneously. 
to, to heal. Right. So the mixture of healing modalities is going to differ from person to person. Now, there's always going to be some overlap. So I think it's important sure. to hear lots of voices and lots of different things that people are using because it might be the one thing that really pulls it all together for you. And moving these body exactly. fluids obviously was a massive uh, of massive importance to you and, and yeah. regaining your health. So well done. Now let's go and really, I want to give you an opportunity to plug your conference because it's such a fabulous conference. It's in a part of the world that has a ton of Lyme. And I just read a story today where there might be even more Lyme this year because the mouse population is going to explode due to the mildness of the w- winter, even though right now we're all buried in tons of snow. Um, mm. And so what are the details for this Mid-Coast Maine Lime Conference that's coming up? The dates, the location, who's speaking, why should people come? Yep. It's our third annual Mid-Coast Lyme Disease Support and Education Conference. It's being held on Saturday, April 29th in Wiscasset, Maine at the Wiscasset Community Center. It's uh, The conference itself runs from 8 to 5, and doors open for registration at 7.30. You do not need to pre-register. Um, the, uh, we've got Pat Smith from the LDA coming. We've got iGenX coming. What's we the have, LDA? Uh, I'm sorry? What's the LDA? Lyme, Lyme Disease Association. Okay, I don't know them. Yep, yep, the Lyme Disease Association. Um, IGENX, we have a uh, gentleman who is the owner of Mainly Ticks. He does um, a lot of education on Lyme disease and tick-borne disease, but he is also, um, he helps train people that want to do pest management control. Ah, very um, good. He has his own business. They spray lawns, but he he's sort of the train-the-trainer guy, and he's coming, and he's going to be speaking about, you know, why we should be why should we be treating our lawns you know that that layer that's very important yeah we have um a very well-known Lyme doctor who's who has since retired from Lyme Dr. Meryl Nass here in Maine um but she is a very well-known outspoken advocate for medical injustices and I heard her speak last year and I've never heard a doctor speak the way she does she tells it like it is and she addresses all of the issues. She addresses the anger, and she's doing it from a medical point of view. Um, so I personally, I think everybody should have Dr. Meryl Nath at their conference because there's literally no filters. I mean, she's going to tell it like it is. She's going to come right out, and she'll have you laughing and crying all at the same time. And how do you spell um, her last name? N, like Nancy, mm-hmm. A-S-S. Okay. She's wonderful. Um, we have, uh, as I mentioned before, Lori Dennis, author of Lyme Disease Madness. We have Laura Dirksen and Brandy Dean from the Dean Center. Um, we have Jordan Fisher-Smith from Under Our Skin. He's uh, uh, He travels around and speaks. He's also a uh, well-established author. And our keynote speaker is Dr. Kenneth Liegner. And I, I don't think I need to say anything more about him. Everybody knows who Dr. Liegner is. Um, we have lots of information about the conference on our website, which is www.mldse.org. It's the acronym for our organization, Mid-Coast Lyme Disease 
support education, and it's also on our Facebook page. Um, that's the lineup there. We also have um, a Lyme Literate Physician Q&A panel. We had it last year with about six doctors, and this year we've got about 10 of them that stepped up. Wow. We've got some naturopaths. We've got some Western medicine. We've got some mental health providers. We've got a wide variety with varying backgrounds that um, are extremely Lyme Literate that are going to answer questions from the audience directly. Um, aside from the panel, we have roughly, gosh, I think there's going to be probably close to 50 doctors that I'm aware of that are coming. Um, we have the entire uh, main association of naturopathic doctors is coming on board. Um, we have 25 community partners that are going to be coming, and we've got roughly about 30 vendors. We also have, uh, we have in conjunction with Lori coming as a, an author and Mindy, we have Jenny Rush from, yes. um, Lime Thriving. Yeah. We have Dr. Nancy Fox is coming and they're all going to be sharing their books. They're going to be coming and sharing, you know, their, their information with us and they'll be available to sell and sign books on site. We have, um, the Global Lyme Alliance is coming. Their CEO, Scott Santarella, is coming. Um, we have Nutramedics. Tim Eaton, the CEO of Nutramedics, is coming. We have uh, representation from um, Byron White and Bioseden. They'll be there. So a lot of, um, I don't want to call them pharmaceutical companies because they're not really pharmaceutical. They're more... Nutraceutical, we'll say. Nutraceutical. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And um, I actually have a conversation this afternoon lined up with, um, what is it? What is his name? Uh, Integrative Therapeutics, which anybody who is on a Eastern medicine path probably has had some uh, treatment uh, from that company. So he, um, I've been introduced to that gentleman, and we're going to have a conversation to see if he wants to come to the conference. So we offer this conference free of charge. You can come. You can come and stay all day. You can come and stay part of the day. Um, it does not cost you anything to come to this conference. You get all types of free education from the speakers. You can get free education and information and samples from the vendors and the community partners. Um, we get lots of really good grants and and uh, sponsorship money. We got grants from the Lyme Disease Association. We got some really great sponsorship money that helps cover the cost so that we can make it free for people because the people who need to be here um, have probably spent their last dime on treatment and they're probably at the end of their rope and they're, they're trying to figure out what else can I do? So here's, so, here's a question for you. I'm part of uh, started a small Lyme group here in my area. How, mm -hmm. how did you network with these different groups? How, how did you get the doctors involved? How did you do that? Because you've got quite an impressive uh, list of people coming here. It's not just vendors. It's not just you've done all this. But you have these groups who are now involved. Like you said, you have 40 naturopathic doctors coming. And I mean, quite honestly, the simple answer is I just reached out to them okay. and introduced myself and told them what I was doing. And <clears throat> the first year, I didn't have as much success as I had the second year. And obviously, I have more success this year than I did last year. Um, 
we are we are such an active organization. And last year, we we uh, became partner uh, an affiliate partner with the National Lyme Disease Association. So they advertise a lot of stuff that we do. We are very vocal um, in the in the public news, radio, TV, newspaper, Facebook media. Um, we're constantly putting stuff out there as to what we do, and and so I think on some level people have an idea of who we are and what we do and what we're capable of. So I kind of use it as my calling card. When I do call somebody, somebody will say, oh, I know who you are, or I've heard of your group before. Um, I mean, when we were planning this conference, I had gone out to the Lyme Disease Association conference in Minnesota, and as as excited as I was to be there, I was also very nervous because... um we needed to get a keynote speaker and I was reaching out left and right and I was being told, sorry, they're not available, you know. And I just happened to walk up to Dr. Liegner at the, the coffee table and said, are you available on April 29th? And he said, let me check my calendar. And when we met up again later that day, he said, absolutely, I am. And it wasn't too long after that that he sent me an email and said, how would you like Jordan Fisher Smith to come to your conference? And I was like, you mean the same guy from under our skin? <laughs> He's like, yeah, but I ran into him and we were talking about you and I'm thinking, okay. And within 24 hours, Jordan Fisher Smith was calling me. I hadn't even got to speak to the rest of the board. I hadn't even allowed the idea to even, you know, just to even just stew on the idea and think, can we, can we do this? Where would, you know, we, we had already thought we had the guts of our conference put together, but when Jordan Fisher-Smith calls and offers to come and, and talk. Um, it's kind of cool. I said, absolutely. We would love to. We would love to have you come. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't want this to, to sound arrogant because we work very hard for everything that we do. And I think because we work so hard, like everybody else, and where we we put it out there, we we are always out there in the public eye. I think people hear about us, okay, and they see our energy and they see our tenacity, and they they just say, "Hey, can we do something with each other?" Like with Greg, Greg, you, do you want to help me? You know what I mean? Or um, you know, other groups, um, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, we're always talking with each other. Now, um, my friend who runs the Central Mass. Lyme Foundation, Michelle Miller, calls me this week and says, <clears throat> I got to tell you about something. You need to know about this. Mm -hmm. So we're already networked and talking with our fellow counterparts in various states. Okay. So they already know about us. And when, when people see something that we put out on Facebook and they, they respond to it and we say, they, you know, they need help. And we say, well, where do you live? And they say, well, we live in Kentucky. Well, I don't have resources for Kentucky. Right. But what I do have is I have a friend named Vicki who runs the Kentucky Lime Group. So I'm going to put this person in touch with my friend Vicki. Same goes with, you know, any state. Anybody reaches out, I don't feel like I have to save everybody. But I have a resource that I can connect them to and say, I know you're in good hands now. Because my friend Vicky, my friend Rebecca, my friend Michelle, in that state that you live in, has resources that can help you. So we start there, 
And then, you know, I talk to um, my reps from IGENX that travel around. And, you know, um, Doug from IGENX called me the other day and said, hey, I need to introduce you to this guy. He's going to come up and have this. So it's just, it just starts off that way. It's, you know, you make one connection. People see what you're doing. They want to introduce you to other people. Right. So and it just, you know, it's really, I mean, that'd be like me saying, how do you make friends? Well, but here's, <laughs> you know, it here's, just sort of happens. And I, well, it doesn't just sort of, see what you're describing here. Some people kind of do this more naturally than others. And I think, you going through how that happens is important for others to hear. Okay. Some people network just kind of naturally and they're just talking to people. Other people kind of scratching their heads and saying, well, how, how do I make these connections? So I, it's very valuable to hear that, you know, it's just continual talking and, and yeah. having friends. And I do have, making connections. I do have people from other groups that reach out and yeah. say, I want to hold a fundraiser. How did you do this? You know, because we'll put out there on Facebook, we're having this event, and then we show photos of it, and then we, we, we recap it and let them know what happened. So then people say, well, how can I do that here? Yes. And I have no problem sharing step by step by step. I've had people reach out when we, you know, back in 2015. Fifteen, I think it was 2016, when we passed the mainline law that protected doctors. Yes. You know, it was so vocal and it was so public on Facebook. People started reaching out and saying, how can we do that here? Right. I have people saying, I want to start a nonprofit. How do you even do that? Yes. So I'm always willing to share anything, anytime. I'm always willing to share. There, to me, I don't, I don't think of it as it's a secret. I own this. I'm always willing to share whatever information I have. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it always pertains to your particular state, but I think in a general concept, how we network with people, I think, I think it, it's, a, it's attainable by, by most people that just, just kind of put their mind to it and just say, this is what I want. This is my plan. These are the steps that I'm going to use to achieve that. And anticipate that you're going to have some doors slammed and anticipate that you're going to have some no's. But if you get one yes or you get one door that opens, then you walk through that door, not blazing your guns, not spewing anger. You walk through that door and you, you try to find a common language and you go from there. And that, that will begat other opportunities. Well said. Now, since you've unofficially said it, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. How can, are you willing for people to contact you? And if so, how can they do that? Absolutely. I'm always, I'm always happy to talk to people. Always happy to talk to, um, you know, folks about stuff that we do. People can reach me through, through the email, the website that I gave you. My, my email is on there. My phone number is on there as well. Um, you can call me. You can email me. We are inside of <clears throat> eight weeks of these really big events that are coming up. So I can't promise that I'm always going to be available by phone, but I always answer emails. I always do. Even if I'm sitting in the car, if I'm sitting at a restaurant or whatever, I, I can always respond by email. Uh, people can always find me on Facebook as well. So I'm always, always happy to share whatever uh, 
battle plan, if you would call it, <laughs> that has worked for us. I'm always willing to share that with other people. Brilliant. Thanks so much. I really, really appreciate all the work you're doing. It's an inspiration for the rest of us, and it's a great opportunity to participate. And I know people come from all over to go to this Lyme conference. It's such a great conference. And hopefully with the bike ride, too, I mean, the motorcycle people around here love to hop on their bikes and drive wherever. So hopefully this will be a rally that will just start drawing people from even all over the country. Some of these rides uh, have become huge over the years, and people come from states away just to participate. So it's really an exciting exciting time for the Midcoast Maine Lime Association. Thank you. And I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to extend an invite for you to come and be at one of our future conferences. I, would I know l- we've tried to make it happen in the past. I would love but to. But I would love to have you come up and be one of our speakers because I think you the, what, the role that you play um, is invaluable. I just think that you know we need more people that are, that are uh, sharing and, and promoting hope and encouragement and inspiration, and you're the conduit to make that happen. So... I extend an open-ended invitation when it works for you to come to one of our future conferences and be one of our speakers. All right. Consider me signed up. (laughs) Paula, thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time, and I can't wait till we talk in person at your conference and about the other exciting stuff that you're doing. Wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity to to share with your listeners. This was a great interview, and I specifically loved what she had to say about using her or rather giving up her anger uh how she was saying you know it, it she gave up being angry at people and because it just caused people to shut down well she said she uses it privately she still has mm-hmm. her anger right but she doesn't wear it on her sleeve and isn't marching into people's office and yelling at them yeah Anger is a funny thing. It can be very, very helpful. Matter of fact, I was working with a patient this evening who happens to be a Lyme patient. And one of the things we're working out is her ability to express some anger. So it can go go both ways. It's funny. In acupuncture, we talk about, well, it's not funny, but... Interesting, interesting. funny. Yes, it's funny as an interesting, not funny as an ha-ha. It's interesting. We speak about the appropriateness of an emotion, and that is a sign of health within an individual and that their energy is balanced. So there are times to be angry. There's times not to be angry. There are times to be joyful and times not to be joyful, so forth and so on. So appropriate anger, I think, is important because you can absolutely get riled up about Lyme disease because there is so much wrong in the world about Lyme disease. And when you approach somebody who really isn't tuned in, they just think you're a crazy nut if you come at them with both guns blazing and they'll put up their defenses and not listen to you. So sometimes anger can be a very helpful tool in motivating us and protecting us when the time is right, but also it can really get in the way. So we need to know when to put that anger aside. We can always pick it back up later. I think that's an important point and part of Paula's success in what she's been doing. And speaking of that, we interviewed her about a year ago for the second annual Midcoast Lime Conference. And I hope yes. this becomes a regular thing with Paula. I can't wait to hear what they're up to next year 
and number four, this conference keeps growing and growing. And if you're anywhere in the area, it's really worth the day trip to get up into Maine and attend this conference. They have absolutely fabulous speakers coming, and it'll be a fantastic day. Really don't know how many people last year. It was around 400, so it'll probably be that many too. And also the fundraiser, the bike ride, yeah. and the concert. And I can imagine this bike ride you know, early in the season like this, those motorcycle clubs and men and women who ride motorcycles are so devoted to getting out there and helping other people. I can imagine this ride being one of the biggest on the East Coast in the not-too-distant future. So it's amazing, again, what committed people can do and what people are doing for Lyme disease all over. And that patient I was speaking about earlier, she mentioned, you know, she was very hopeful. She's in the medical field as well. She's seeing more and more patients show up with diagnoses of Lyme disease. So the the wheel is turning, the tide is changing, and everything that all of you are doing out there to speak up about Lyme disease is making a difference, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or over the backyard fence with your neighbor. So keep up the good work. And if you're interested in hearing last year's interview with Paula, if you really loved her and want to hear more from her, you can find that link on our previous on that previous episode. It's number 88, and that will be in the show notes section. Also, if you like what we are doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, we'd appreciate it if you would support our efforts by subscribing. So go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com, and you'll see the subscribe button under the featured episode. Yes, any support you can send our way, we greatly appreciate it. It costs us about $300 every month to put this on the air. And right now, it's still a labor of love, although many of you are starting to contribute now. We hope to be breaking even over the next couple months. So thanks for all of you who are contributing. And if you're considering it, just go over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and take a look at the different options available to support us. Thanks, Aurora, for all your work putting this together. I know you have to run your sister's visiting, her twin sisters out there in La Jolla, and they have an evening plan. So thanks for carving aside some of your time and recording with us. And also, lastly, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be over, would not be complete, unless we left you with a brand new Lime Ninja fact of the day. Wait, I just have to say one thing. We have not recycled any of these yet. We have not repeated <laughs> one. And this is quite a feat. I know. We're, we're at a 131. We need just a separate book of Lime Ninja facts, I think. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, we've there, there have been a few that sound similar, but no, I don't think we've had a – I don't think we have reused one. Anyway. For the brand you- new fact of the day. Aurora, take it away. Did you know to become a ninja, a trainee must defeat a brick wall in a game of tennis? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.